Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Living Word Community Church. How are you today? It's great to have you here. Let's stand together. There's joy in the house of the Lord. Amen. Yes. I hope you have joy in your hearts. I hope you're come, coming here today to honor the King of Kings. Are you doing that? That's great. That was kind of lame, but we'll do it again. Are you... Are you here to honor the Lord, I hope? Yes? All right. <laughs> he is so good. Amazing is the word we like to keep just for him, right? Let's bow our heads in our hearts and just thank him for who he is, what he's done. Father, we are so grateful to you, Lord. Beyond the words that we have, Lord, they fall far short for what we've experienced in our hearts through your saving grace and your mercy. Lord. We just thank you for your mercy and grace. We thank you, Jesus for your offering, your sacrifice, your willingness to surrender to the Father's will, Lord, in the garden. Father, our eyes are fixed upon you. God, we ask this day as we celebrate in song and prepare our hearts, Lord, that you truly would be honored in the way we spend this time together, Lord. Father, we ask that you would transform our hearts as we hear your word, Lord, as we sing from your word. God, may you just clean out the dust. That, that builds up from day to day and week to week, Lord God. Just allow us to be bare before you, Lord, cleansed, washed anew, whiter than snow. And we want to keep our eyes fixed upon you and our service to you, Lord. And may you just bless our hands, bless our feet as we walk and talk. Let our words be your words, Lord God. And may you anoint Pastor Frank this day as he brings forth your word, Lord. May it truly transform us, make us more like Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. You know, I want you to think as we're singing through this song, great things about some things the Lord has done in your life. It's so good to meditate. You know, sometimes we're in, we're in stressful times, you know. He's the God of our days and the God of our nights. And we're in the nighttime and it's dark. Or we're down in the valley and it's tough. And then the Lord brings us through and we kind of forget, you know. It's like, thank you, Lord God. You have done so many great things. Has he not done so many great things in your life? Yes, thank you, Lord. Your name 
Amen. You may be seated. So good to know he's with us every day, all the time. Amen. Good morning, church. Nice. That's great. I like to hear that. (laughs) How are we doing today? Good, good. Awesome. So we're going to continue with announcements. And today is Missionary Sunday. Um, Just make sure that you put on the envelope missionary, okay? And either you put it in the basket or you put it in the back, okay? Life Givers is meeting today after service at 12.15 p.m. Okay, we have a correction. The actual, uh, that is canceled. Okay. Due to an illness. All right, canceled. (laughs) Join us for movie night this Friday, July 21st at 7 p.m. here in the church. There's going to be no Spanish subtitles. No, I don't know. I don't know what movie they're going to be showing. What? Oh, it's Ruth. <laughs> oh, Ruth. Sight and Sound Ruth. Babe Ruth. <laughs> As per the pastor. Ruth. Okay. Join us for a bagel fellowship after service next Sunday in the Rock Center. And uh, once again, this is a way to get to know each other, right? We see each other every week, and I think that sometimes we just either we acknowledge each other by just nodding our head or saying hello, but it's great to come together as a church and get to know each other because we're supposed to be praying for each other, helping each other out, right? Encouraging each other in the Lord. So uh, please join us next week um, so we can get to know each other. And we're in need of people to serve in our Spanish translation ministry. Uh, If you are Spanish speaking and interested in being a part of this ministry, please come to the meeting on August 6th after service or see Ritter Savino or Naomi Albino. And once again, um, uh, if you're Spanish speaking, don't be nervous. You don't have to be perfect with your Spanish. I am not. Um, The Lord will speak through you. The Holy Spirit will speak through you um, if you have surrendered and obeyed to what God is telling you to do, right, to translate. Um, there are Spanish speakers that are here that don't understand the service, so that's that's a way that we can serve the Lord by just sharing what the pastor is teaching us every day, um, every Sunday, okay? And lastly, do we have any guests today? We would love to welcome you. Any guests, please raise your hand. Hello. Guests in the back, welcome. Keep your hand raised, okay? Anybody else? Any other guests? Okay, so when, once the service is done, if you can just um, please fill that out and give it to the sound room right there on your right, and we'll give you a free Jesus DVD, okay? And Yes, and um, <laughs> para los que estén escuchando en español, por favor, levante sus manos. Okay, asegúrense de tener su teléfono en silencio. Anybody else? No? Okay, and for those that are listening at home, please mute your phones. Um, para los que están escuchando en español, por favor, pongan su teléfono en silencio. Okay, God bless you guys. Thank you. So there's a lot going on. I hope you're participating. I hope you come to the fellowship and just get to know others, as Brenda said. We're going to continue worshiping the Lord with our offering time and, and continued song, songs of praise. So we can stand if you'd like.
or not, your choice, but um, we're going to be singing Better Than Life. Before we do that, though, let me uh, just pray with you over the offering. And there are two offerings, as Brenda said. So today, if you are, and I hope you're still giving to the missionaries that serve around the world beyond these walls um, from this church, they need our help, they need our support. Um, just put missions on the, the memo, and we'll make sure it gets to the right people. Father, we are so grateful, Lord, for your provision. The very breath in our lungs, Lord, we do not take for granted. And when we do, God, we just ask that you just remind us of how amazing you are in sustaining us and creating us, Lord. Allowing your Holy Spirit to dwell within us, Lord, beyond what we can ever understand. We just enjoy this sweet communion with you. God, we ask for just a multiplying of what we give here, that many more may come to know you, Lord. Father, we just pray that the work of our hands would be eternal work. It would be fruitful for the kingdom, Lord. And Lord God, we just ask that there would be many, many, many more that would come to know you. Through what we do here, and Father, with the missionaries that go beyond the walls here and beyond this town, Lord, beyond this state. Father, we just pray your special blessing upon them, your protection about them, Lord God. We just pray for a comfort in their hearts and encouragement, Lord, by your indwelling spirit, Lord God. And Father, we just pray for your favor to be upon them and upon all that we do here now. In Jesus' name. Psalm 63, verses 1 to 3 says, O God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. So I've looked for you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory, because your loving kindness is better than life. My lips shall praise you. Amen. Loving kindness is better than life. Love is everlasting, it's an everlasting love. Mercy is just to every rising of the sun. Your loving kindness, loving kindness is better than life. Your grace is all sufficient, it's an all grace. Power and your glory are forever on display, and your loving kindness, loving kindness, better life. Oh. oh. Oh 
join me in prayer? Pray for a few people right now that we lift up to the Lord. I want to pray for Sister Jan. Lord, I want to just pray for the healing, Lord God. She has fallen. She's hurt. Lord, broke one arm, broke the other. I want to pray in Jesus' name right now, Lord God, that you would put your healing hands on her. Speak your healing word into her life, Lord God, and make her well. Lord God, you can, you can mend bones. Lord God, I have experienced that in my life, Lord God, and that miracle. I pray, Lord God, that you would do it for her. I want to pray for a young boy named Brandon, Lord God, going through a tough time, Lord God. He's being attacked by the enemy, and I want to pray, Lord God, that, Lord, you would put a shield of angels around him and that you would deliver him, Lord God, from this thing that he's going through, Lord God, from this, Lord, darkness, from this demonic torment. I want to pray, Lord God, that you would deliver him and that, Lord God, you would fill his heart with your peace, with your love, and with your joy that comes to us through Jesus Christ, our Lord. I lift up, Lord God, this entire congregation today, Lord God. You know where each and every one of us is. I pray, Lord God, have your way with us today. Do what you want to do in us, Lord God, for your will be done, not ours. And accomplish your good purpose in conforming us and shaping us and molding us into the very image of your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. God bless you all. Say hello to each other, then grab a seat. All right, quick announcement here. I don't usually promote what we're doing on Wednesday nights, but Wednesday night we have a service, and I do a teaching through the Word of God, but I'm going to be teaching this Wednesday on the Red Heifer from Numbers chapter 19. This is this Wednesday at 7 p.m., the prophetic significance for today. I promise you it will blow your mind. I've taught on it before, Never to the extent that I will share on this Wednesday. And again, you probably, if you've managed to work through the book of Numbers, you came across the red heifer, and you just look at that and say, what does this have to do with me? Well, I'll tell you something, everything. It is just an incredible passage, and you'll be blessed. So I want you to go with me. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 6. This is going to be part three of spiritual warfare. Uh, In part one, we talked about know your enemy. In part two and part three, we're talking about know your armor. So you can stand with me for the reading of the word from Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 through 18. And the word of our Lord. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this age and against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, And having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, take the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayers and supplication, in the Spirit, being watchful to this end, with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. And Heavenly Father, Lord God, 
Lord God, in a time maybe more so than any time, Lord God, in the 40 years that I've walked with you, Lord God, there is a need for warriors who will fight for the kingdom of God. There is a time where battles are raging, Lord God, within and without. We are on a battlefield like never before. And Father God, I pray, teach us, Lord God, how to arm ourselves, how we can put on the armor of God every day and live, Lord God, as victors, not as victims in this world as we await, Lord God, your coming with the time that we will go home to be with you. And in Jesus' name we pray this. Amen. Amen. So, essentially, a great quote here. The Christian life is not a playground, it's a battleground. We, we are on a battlefield. And like every battle, like every war, what you have in that battle, you will have heroes and you will have cowards. You have people who are wounded. You have people who are casualties. You have people who are deserters. You have people who are courageous and people who are fearful. You have people who advance and people who retreat. You have victims and victors. I've been a Christian now for over 40 years, and I'll say this to you. This is true, and I see it played out every day before my eyes, right here at Living Word Community Church. We are in a war. This is, again, a battleground. And the Lord has not left us defenseless. So, beginning a few weeks ago, I began to talk to you about, again, the armor of God. Let me give you a quick review. The first piece of armor is the belt of truth. And as I, I said to you, the key thing about the belt of truth, again, the Roman belt held essentially all the other pieces of equipment together. It held the breastplate in place. It, it held the sheath of the sword in place. And I talked to you about, again, the belt of truth being character, being integrity. You can lose money and you can get it back, earn it back. You can invest your way back. If you lose your health, you've lost something. But many times you can regain your health. If you lose your character, you've lost everything. You lose your character. If you lose your character, you lose your integrity. You lose your family. You can lose your marriage. You can lose your career. You can lose your ministry. And we see that. Again, we see that played out countless times again, right, in, in the church at a, as, as a whole, in our country, in our world. When you discover that someone is a liar, when you discover that someone is not being truthful, when you discover that someone is living a lie, what happens? You stop trusting them, you stop believing in them. And when I have had that experience with people, I, complete, I stop believing in them. I, I can't believe in them. And they, they have lost, they have lost my trust. And, and that is what happens when somebody essentially is not living with the belt of truth around their waist. Truth holds all things together. Truth holds your marriage together. Truth will hold your family together. Truth will hold your ministry together. Truth will hold your career together. Truth holds your friendships together. 
And when you violate, when you violate that truth, again, everything falls apart. Take that to heart. Understand that great lesson. Be, be truthful with God. Be truthful with yourself and be truthful with others. Number two, the breastplate of righteousness. We talked about again, the breastplate of righteousness guards your heart because the enemy wants to get into your heart because your heart is where your desires are. The heart is where your values are. The heart is where your very motives are. And the enemy wants to get in. We talked about again, that breastplate of righteousness, the righteousness of Christ, the imputed righteousness and imparted righteousness of Christ that guards our heart. Number three, we talked about the shoes of the gospel of peace. And I shared with you one of the key things about those shoes that the Romans wore, they had spikes. And those spikes enabled them to hold their ground, to stand firm. It, it made them unmovable. And it wasn't only, again, a defensive weapon, but an offensive weapon where they had the opportunity to continuously be moving forward against the enemy. It enabled the soldiers to advance. And again, the very gospel of peace enables us to advance. You know, one of, the, one of the key things in martial arts is to always keep your head. Because once you lose it, you see a, a fighter who, lo who loses his head, he does, he does erratic things. He, he's no longer in control. He's no longer operating within the boundaries of his training. And the devil loves to get us in a place of chaos. He loves to get us into a place of confusion. And that's why, again, being in a place with the gospel, okay, of peace, uh, you know, being, being clothed with that, the enemy, the enemy is not able to distract us, to disturb us, and create chaos in our life. And then we looked at number four, the shield of faith. We talked about, again, the Roman shield that, that covers, it covers the whole body, protects against the fiery arrows of the enemy, and again, how it operates, the Roman shields operated in a group of people, right? A group of soldiers. And, and it protected. It protected from aerial attack. It protected from lateral attack, frontal attack, rear attack. And that's why when we are in the body of Christ and our hearts are knit together with our brothers and sisters, and I hope you have a group, because if you are a lone ranger, you're in danger. Hey, that rhymes. A lone ranger in danger. You're in, you're in danger. The enemy loves to isolate. He loves to get us isolated. And if he can isolate us, he can take us. But when we are together and we've got those shields, we are being protected from the fiery darts of the enemy. So let's look at number five now, the helmet of salvation. Verse 17 of Ephesians chapter 6. And take the helmet of salvation. There's a, a great picture of a, a Roman helmet, right? What did it protect? It protected the computer. You know, the enemy wants to get into your computer. The enemy wants to infiltrate your computer. He, he wants to get in there and, and he wants to fill it again with his desires, with, with his values, with, with his beliefs. So the concept here is the helmet of salvation. It protects the mind because we are in a time where there is a battle for your mind. Satan wants your mind. Now think about this. From an intellectual standpoint, if you are a true Christian, you are saved. 
You are forgiven. You have been justified, declared innocent. You have been pardoned. You are adopted and you are a a child of God. Now, Satan knows that. Sometimes we don't. I've noticed that, that sometimes Christians suffer from amnesia. And they forget who they are. You ever see, you ever see a, a true Christian now? I'm not talking about a fake Christian. There's a lot of fake Christians. But a true Christian who has been born of the Spirit, Jesus Christ is in their life. He is, he is real to them. Essentially, he is the center of their life. And you see that person doing ugly things. You see that person doing detestable things. What do you think has happened? I'll tell you, the the main thing that's happened, they have forgotten who they are. They have lost sight of their identity in Jesus Christ. And that is something, again, that the enemy enemy does. He knows that you're saved. He knows that you have been redeemed. And what he does is he wants to come and he wants to get you to forget that you are a new creation in Christ and the old is gone and the new has come. So he attacks. He attacks our identity. And suddenly we find ourselves doing things that a Christian would not normally do. So there is, again, there is this battle for the mind. And and that battle, by the way, you are getting hit from multiple different directions in that battle for your mind. You are getting hit with it every day from your iPhone, from your computer, from TV. Think of this. What do they call them? TV programs. What are they doing? You know, all those writers and actors in Hollywood are on strike. This is a time for a revival in America. God God knows the poison and the crap that they're putting into your head every day, right? sitcoms and all the other garbage shows that they put out there? Programming. When you watch a movie, you are being programmed by the writers and the producers. When you are watching a TV show, you are being programmed. News shows are programming you. They are, pro- they are programmed. So there is this, this battle going on for the mind. By the way, you're getting programmed today. Folks, you're getting programmed right now. Be very careful who you allow to speak into your life. There are preachers I would never let speak into my life. There are people I would never let speak into my life. I'm very, very careful as to who I allow to speak into my life because I know ultimately the enemy, the enemy's goal is he wants to control me. He wants to gain influence over me. And he does this by getting, by getting to our mind. Now, so what are some things that, that we need to do, again, really in, in getting the helmet of salvation on on a daily basis? First thing here, it says in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13, therefore prepare your minds for action. Keep, a sober, keep sober in spirit, fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Prepare your mind, you know, Prepare your mind, train up your mind. The, the word there is, is a word that's used for, for gird. And um, it, it's used for a, a soldier, 
living in the, the time of Jesus, it says he would gird up his loins. I just want you to notice, notice this picture of, he, he has a, a tunic on. It's hard to fight with a tunic on. It's hard to fight with a dress on. By the way, if you've ever seen the, 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 the Scottish warriors, if you've ever seen Braveheart, what they would do is they would take that skirt and they would tie it up between their legs so they could run and turn it into a pair of shorts. Because if not, you're going to be tripping all over the place. And what he would do is he would take that, that tunic, he pull it up, he would tie it into a knot so then he would be able to fight. That's the picture here of, of gird up your mind. When you get up in the morning, go down on your knees and prepare for the day by putting on the armor of God by putting on the belt of truth, by putting on the breastplate of righteousness, by putting on the helmet of salvation, by taking up the sword of the spirit and taking up the shield of faith. Prepare yourself. See, most people, they go out and they're just totally unprepared. I mean, it's, 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 it's crazy. We, we, we see things, we, just outside of there being bad people, and there are bad people in this world. Very bad people. But outside of that, we just live in a world that, that is far more dangerous. I mean, just, just automobiles. I see, people, I see people walking down the street with their cell phones. I mean, they're walking in the street looking at the cell phone. Old and young. Totally unprepared. And we, we see, we see in the news, these people get, get hit, these people get killed. But they're, they're totally ill-prepared. And the idea here is we want to be prepared. We want to be prepared because the enemy is going to attack so that we're not caught off guard. What happens when he does attack? Something that we need to do. And look at, look at 2 Corinthians chapter 10, 4 and 5. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. The enemy will come and he will assault us with his arguments. See, his, his arguments that come against the knowledge of God. I have people sometimes just come to me and say, well, Pastor Frank, what about this? I'm like, where did that come from? Because it's not, it's not in the word of God. It's not the will of God. Where, where did this, this thought come from? Through the media? Through the iPhone? Through television programs? Sometimes through people in the church. You get people in the church who come in. Let me tell you something. They're, 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 they're on Mars. They're so far from knowing the word of God and the will of God. And listen, listen, you know, what I'm doing with you right now, you see the passion, you see the charisma. There's a lot of people who are extremely passionate and charismatic, and they, they are out to lunch. I'm the heretics. So, so don't, don't, don't judge a person, again, by the emotion that they, they speak with. Judge them by the content and test it to the word of God. And when, again, when these thoughts come in, you take them captive and you make them obedient to Christ. Are they lining up with the word of God? Another key thing. The helmet of salvation. Focus. Focus on the good. 
Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue, if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Focus your mind, fill your head with the good. How do you get the air out of a cup? How do you get the air out of a cup? You fill it. Right? You fill it with the good. You fill, you fill your mind with the noble. You, you fill your mind with the courageous. You, you fill your mind with the excellent. And when your mind is filled with those things, the enemy, he can't infiltrate. Fill your mind with God's word. All right, number six, the sword of the spirit. It tells us, and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Paul had a great understanding of the Roman armor. You know, Paul was somebody, he knew the Tanakh. He knew the Old Testament inside and out. But he also knew things about the culture. You ever notice that? He quotes philosophers. He, he was observant of the culture. So when he's talking here about the armor of God, this was a man, he was a Roman, a Roman citizen. And the Roman soldiers were stationed. Most, for the most part, the Roman soldiers were there to create Pax Romana, which was the peace of Rome. There were a lot of good things that, that, that Rome brought to the world. By the way, Rome paved the roads. Rome created the roads. And Rome created a level of peace so that the gospel could go out to the world because before that it would have been very difficult for the gospel to be able to be brought out to the world before Rome conquered the world. Now there were some real negatives about Rome too. There were about as many slaves in Rome as there were free citizens. So there were, there were some, uh, some negatives there. But essentially Paul, Paul understood the culture and he understood the Roman sword. This is, this is a gladius. This, that is a, a, a gladius. It comes from the word gladiator. And uh, essentially, well, to share, I could share a lot of things about the gladius because it's essentially a double-edged sword, so you could use it for slashing. It was also a, a sword with a very sharp point, and you can use it for stabbing. But I want to I share something. Again, a bone handle. And it, it, had, it had one key piece called essentially a pommel. This, you see this piece here? This is a pommel. What was the purpose of the pommel? Well, no, no, just I, I, again, you could, use it, you could use it to bang somebody over the head with, but the pommel was, was a big, it was a big piece of bone. And it, it, it weighed a, a significant amount. The pommel's purpose was balance to create balance. I want you to stop and think about that with you know, the word of God. To create balance. So the word of God in Hebrews chapter four verse 12 is living and powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword, piercing even into the division of the soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. The word of God penetrates, right, into the very heart. The word of God reveals motives. 
It reveals really what's, what's deeply inside of it because a lot of people, they live lives of facades, right? They, they live fake lives. They never stop to really look at what's in their heart and suddenly they're exposed by the word of God. What do you think people hate the word of God? Why has the Bible been so attacked through the centuries? Why has it been burned more than any book? Why is it attacked more than any book? Why do the woke crowd hate the Bible? Because it exposes their hearts. It exposes their evil. It exposes their sin. It penetrates deeply into the human heart. The word of God, like the Roman sword, needs to be balanced. I want you to to grasp onto this. There needs to be a balance. The sword of the spirit, right? Because if you are out of balance, you are in trouble. So somebody who in the church says, I want you to, to, to listen to what this preacher's saying. So I, I went to the preacher's site and I began to pull things up. This is somebody who's influencing someone in the church. And one thing I began to notice, I, I, I listened to what they wanted me to listen to with what he was saying, but I noticed something in his messages as I began to kind of go through and, you know, look at, at all of the, the, his chronicling of his message. Like you can do, if you go uh, onto Living Word Alive, uh, you can find it on, on YouTube or Facebook. You can find my messages that go back. I mean, Living Word Alive, you can go back to messages from 10 years ago. I preached through the Word of God. What I found with him, he was only preaching from about 5% of the entire Bible. He was leaving out the other 95%. Never preach from the Old Testament. Never touch the book of Revelation. Most preachers won't. And there were some messages, right, gospels. And usually, again, a lot of preachers, they have what we call pet doctrines. So you 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 get the same doctrines over and over and over and over and over and over. But leaving out the other 95%. Think about his congregation. You know, to be healthy, you need to have a healthy, balanced diet. You need to eat healthy fats. You need to eat healthy carbs. You need to eat healthy protein. Imagine, you know, people, again, this is all these crazy fat diets. You know, there, there's the, the, the low-fat or non-fat diet, or you get the low-carb or the no-carb diet, right, or the no-protein. I mean, it's, it's crazy. God gave us, right, fats. He gave us protein. He gave us carbohydrates. And to be eating them in balance... When it comes to the word of God, is the church that you're in preaching a balanced diet of the word? Now this morning, when I'm in the word personally, and this is my personal time, and it was wonderful being on vacation because I got a chance to spend far more time getting up before like six o'clock on vacation. Imagine that, on vacation I was getting up before six, excited to spend time in the word of God. I have a very balanced diet in my personal devotions. I read from the Torah, first five books. I read from the historical books. And then I read from the poetical books and the Psalms. Then I go to the Gospels. Then I'll go to the Epistles and the book of Revelation. But I'll read, I'll read multiple chapters from that on a, on a daily basis. It takes me, I don't know, it takes me a half hour maybe. 
to go through. God gives me some gems. I mark them, highlight them. I'll review them, review them all at the end of the week and what God has given me to walk away with. But it's a balanced diet. There are, there are preachers who won't, who won't preach from the Old Testament, won't go into the Old Testament. Some very popular preachers that some of you, that some of you probably watch and listen to who come right out and say that the Old Testament is no longer something we should be in. It's interesting because that's all Jesus and the apostles were in. The same thing with the preaching of the word. Why do I preach from the Old Testament on Wednesday and then from the New Testament on Sunday? Maybe we'll, we'll, we'll reverse that in upcoming months. I, I do that because I believe we need a balanced diet. You need to have a balance of the word of God. Because if you don't have the balance of the word of God and you do not have, let me say this to you, none of us, and this goes for me, this, this goes for the greatest preachers in history, Spurgeon, uh, John MacArthur, great preachers. None of them have what is called a exhaustive knowledge of scripture. But you can have a true knowledge of scripture. You, you, you can know, you can know what's in the book of Genesis. You can know what's in the book of Numbers. You, you can know the key things that are in the book of Malachi and in John and in Ephesians and in the book of the Revelation. And the only way that comes, again, by having a balanced diet where you are basically, again, reading through the entire word. I've had people come up to me. They've been in the Lord 20 years and they'll say, I've never read through the entire Bible. I would be ashamed of that. That, that is not something to be bragging about. You've never read through the entire Bible and you claim to be a Christian for 20 years? That tells me that there's something wrong. Because I believe that a true Christian, there will be a hunger, there will be a thirst for the word of God. And I, and I say this to you, walking with the Lord for over 40 years, I have a greater hunger for the word now than I did when I first got saved. And that's not the way it's supposed to work with most things in life, right? You're supposed to get tired of them. But we need to have that, that, that balance. The balanced sword is necessary if we are going to be able to combat the enemy. Okay, number seven. And you may be sitting there and thinking, I thought there were only six pieces of armor. But I believe there is a seventh, and that is praying in the Spirit. Verse 18. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, being watchful to the end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Praying in the spirit. Praying according to the spirit's leading. His guiding. Instead of coming to God with your shopping list. Right? Womp. I want this, I want this, I want this, I want this, I want this. That's not praying in the Spirit. Praying in the Spirit is really being led. It's praying in harmony, praying in tune with the Holy Spirit. It's where there's power. Look at, look at Romans 8.26. Likewise, the Spirit also helps us in our weaknesses. Don't you find you need help in prayer with, our, with your weaknesses? For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings. He, he puts these, these burdens on our hearts, passionate burdens in our hearts, deeply emotional burdens. 
Sister, were you praying passionately today for Brandon? Right? And now you shared it with me. This beautiful little boy, young boy, who was here in church a couple weeks ago going through a tough time. Right? He's on our hearts now. That's the spirit. I see the tears in her eyes. And she's just, she's just begging God to heal this boy. That's the groanings, the, the, the passion, the burden of the spirit. Making intercession. Notice, intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Which cannot be uttered. This is not tongues. This again, this is again, the Pentecostal church takes this and says, oh, it's tongues. Well, well tongues are uttered. I pray in tongues. And when I pray in tongues, I'm praying audibly. I don't pray silently in tongues. But this, this is not tongues. This is with, with, with groanings which cannot be uttered. This is the Holy Spirit putting this, this passionate burden on your heart of something he wants you, he wants to work through through to manifest. I want to show you. When you're praying in the Spirit, some things... That will happen. One, John 14, 13, and 14. And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. To pray in anyone else's name, to pray in your own name. Do you understand? To pray in the name of Jesus is to pray on his account because my account is bankrupt. Or go to God. God, look, look, you know, here's a, you know, Pastor Frank. Lord, Lord, what I've done for you in the last years. Look at, you know, look. I'm bankrupt. But in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, I can write the check in his name. So always praying, always praying in the spirit is praying in the name of Jesus. Uh, Second thing, it's praying according to God's will. Now this is confidence that we have in him that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him to pray according to his will. The Holy Spirit is always going to guide you to pray according to the will of Jesus, not your own will or anyone else's will. 1 John three twenty one through 22, praying in the Spirit will always be praying in obedience. Beloved, if a heart does not condemn us, if if we're coming to prayer and we are feeling condemnation, our conscience is convicting us, we're not going to have that confidence to pray. We uh, have confidence towards God and whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. One of the key things in the spirit, if you are not right with God and you are praying in the spirit, the spirit is going to make that aware to you that you are not right with God. That there is something in your life, maybe it's unconfessed sin, there's something that you are either doing or have done, then you need to get right with God. And you need to seek his forgiveness, right? You need to seek him through confession. And then you can get into prayer. I'm always having a time of confession before I get into petitions and intercession. And then a, a, a fourth is to pray in the spirit is to pray with faith. Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you have received them and you will have them. If you're praying in the Spirit, you're going to be praying with very strong faith. So praying in the name of Jesus, praying the will of God, praying with a a clear conscience, praying in faith. 
give you another key aspect of praying in the Spirit. It's praying with perseverance. Luke 18.1, then he spoke a parable to them that men always ought to pray and not lose heart. You will pray with perseverance. When God puts that burden on your heart through the Spirit, I mean, he puts that passionate burden on your heart and you pray. And you know what? The answer may not come right away. You know what? You pray with tenacity. You pray with relentlessness. You pray with persistence. You pray with perseverance. And he helps you. Again, he helps you in your weakness. You know, something I see in prayer meetings. People get together on a Wednesday night here. We get together on a Saturday. We get together to pray. I even see this with pastors at times. They pray for five minutes. And then they start gabbing. They pray for five minutes. They can't even, like, hey, we're going to devote 20 minutes to prayer. They can't even pray for five minutes. And they immediately, they immediately start gabbing. That tells me that they're, they're not praying in the Spirit. They're not in the Spirit. Because when, when you are in the Spirit, there will be that perseverance to pray. That's just, you know, key. Think about that. When you're in prayer meetings here, are you in the spirit? Or again, you're coming and your mind just wanders off. You just get distracted. You know, you're, you're not in the spirit. And again, you're out, of, you're out of prayer within minutes. So, so prayer, essentially, a prayer in the spirit is a spiritual weapon of battle. Praying in the spirit, let me tell you, is not for the lazy It's not for the complacent. It's not for the weak. It's not for the inconsistent. Praying praying in the Spirit is for warriors. And when we're praying in the Spirit, understand, it's your radio. It's your radio of direct contact with command. It's your radio of direct contact with the commander where he can give you instruction. He can give you marching orders where he can encourage you, he can fill your heart with hope, he can increase your faith, he can fill you with courage, he can fill you with strength, he can fill you with power for the battle. It's, it's there where he can give you what you need. Interesting that praying in the spirit, the spirit is called the paraclete. We translate it in John, in some translations, King James, the comforter. But it's, it's the picture of a general. And again, taken by John, he uses this word paraclete of a general who comes alongside his soldiers and the soldiers are in, they're in battle formation. There's the enemy in front of them and he would come alongside of them, put his arm around them, right, pat them on the shoulder, tap them on the back and speak words of encouragement into them. That is what God does through the spirit when we are praying in the spirit. Hey, look at America right now. Look at the church in America. So it's on the retreat. By the way, women, when you go on the retreat, get rid of the word retreat. Men, I will not go on your retreats with you because I don't want to retreat. Get rid of that word, retreat. We're not supposed to be retreating. We're supposed to be advancing. And the church is on the retreat. Churches are declining. Churches are, 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 are shutting down. 
Churches are, are, are losing members. It seems that the, the, the world of Satan is increasing and the world of the kingdom of God is decreasing here in America. But let me stop. And What is the average time that an average Christian prays in America? According to Gallup, it's one minute a day. Now, pastors, they pray a whopping three minutes. Tell me if that don't tell you why the church in this country is just in gross decline. You look at the church advancing in other lands, and it is advancing in other lands. You know, in the midst of China, with, with, with communism and with all the oppression and all the things they're doing, you know, the church is thriving in North Korea under, under a, a totalitarian government that puts Christians, the church is growing in, in, in Africa, especially in, even in Northern Africa, where Islam is flourishing, the church is flourishing. Even in some of the Arab countries. But those people, if you talk with them, you, you'll notice that they are praying people. And prayer again, prayer is, is key to power. It, it is a key weapon of God. All right, our final key application. We'll wrap it up, and next week we're going to get into strategies. Make something very simple here. You have the belt of truth. Who is the truth? John chapter 14, 6, what did he say? I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one can come to the Father except through me. Jesus is our truth. In a world filled with lies... Right? You wonder, where, you know, where is the truth? Well, Jesus is the truth. His word is the truth. So when the, the enemy comes with his lies, test them, put them to the test with the truth of Jesus and stand firm on his truth, the breastplate of righteousness. Who is your righteousness? 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30 it is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus who has become for us wisdom from God. That is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Jesus is our righteousness. He has imputed his righteousness and imparted his righteousness to us. And when the enemy comes and attacks you, maybe he's going to attack you for some sin that you've committed. He'll attack you for falling short of the glory of God. He's the accuser of the brethren. You're unworthy. How dare you call yourself a Christian? I'm clothed with the righteousness of Christ. I may have fallen short, but I am forgiven. I have been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. The shoes of the gospel of peace. Who is your peace? Right, Ephesians 2.14 says, For he himself is our peace, who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation. Jesus is our shalom. He is our shalom. In him, I am at peace with my Father in heaven. In him, I am at peace with myself. So the enemy will come and again tries to sow chaos into our lives. He tries to sow confusion into our life. And again, we stand clothed with the peace of Jesus Christ. The shield of faith. Who is your faith? Well, you're all going to go, Jesus. How do we know that? I'm giving you verses. Faith, remember when I first shared this maybe a couple years ago? 
If you go to Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer, uh, it is no, no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me, and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live. Now, I want you to see this, because for grammatical reasons, the translators in the New King James Version, the King James Version, they, they translate it, the, the, now the, um, I live in the flesh, um, it, it says here, I live by faith in the Son of God. And what it does is it, it leaves out, I live by the word the, the definite article appears in the Greek, and instead of the word in is the word of. So it reads, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I just want you to say, whose faith do I live by? I live by Jesus' faith. What do you believe, Pastor Frank? I believe what Jesus believed. I believe the Bible is the word of God. I believe everything that Jesus said about God, the Trinity, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I believe in the atonement that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one can come to the Father except through him. I believe everything that Jesus said about hell and everything Jesus said about heaven, everything Jesus said about salvation, everything Jesus said about the atonement, everything Jesus said about the future, about the past and the present, everything Jesus said about marriage, everything Jesus said about sexuality, that's what I believe. Somebody said to me a few years ago, I'm a Calvinist. Well, people come and say, I'm an Arminian. I believe in what John Calvin said. I believe in, in what Jacob Arminius said. Or I'm a Roman Catholic. I believe in what the Pope said. I'm a Christian. I believe in what Jesus Christ has said. I have surrendered my life. So when people come to me and they're, they're, they're questioning, they're questioning something in the Bible, they're, they're questioning something, you say, I simply believe in what Jesus believed. His faith is my faith. And it's as simple as that. It's not cool. It's not progressive. You know, the progressive churches, they're, they're picking out what they don't like and adding what they do like. It's, it's not progressive. I believe it's simply the truth. The helmet of salvation. Who is your salvation? Right in Isaiah chapter 12 verse 2, it says, Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. For the Lord my God is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. Fa-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la. Right, Len? Jesus is God. Jesus is my salvation. It is not a denomination. It is not a church. It is not my dead works. It is not me. It is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is my salvation. And the enemy will come and he will attack your salvation. My salvation has been bought. My salvation has been paid for. My salvation is in the blood of the Lamb who hung on the cross 2,000 years ago one Friday and said it is finished. The sword of the Spirit. Who is your sword? But this is an easy one. 
John 1.1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus is the sword. His Word is the sword. And your radio. Who is your radio? Essentially, my radio is Jesus, and it's praying again in his name. For whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. I pray in the name of Jesus because... He does not hear if I pray in anyone else's name. He doesn't hear if I pray in my own name. He doesn't hear if anyone is praying in any other name. He is the radio, the transmitter through which we connect with God. So here's, here's a, a final little summary verse, Romans 13, 14. It says, rather clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ. 13A. Remember 13A and B? Clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ. Each morning when you get up, clothe yourself with the peace of Jesus. Clothe yourself with the truth of Jesus. Clothe yourself with the righteousness of Jesus. Clothe yourself with the salvation of Jesus. Clothe yourself with the faith of Jesus. Clothe yourself with the word of Jesus. Clothe yourself with the name of Jesus and you'll be ready for battle. And you can live, listen to me, as a victor, not as a victim. In the time that you have on this earth, maybe until he comes for you or you go home to be with him through death, you can live victoriously with the armor of God on. Amen? Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we, we humble ourselves before you this morning. We do confess to you, Lord God, to stand against the enemy in our own strength. Lord, we don't have a chance. But to stand against the enemy, Lord, clothed with you, Lord God, we can have victory. When he comes a knocking on our door, Jesus, and we answer it clothed in your armor, Lord, he will flee. When he comes, Lord, trying to penetrate into our minds and our hearts, and we've got, Lord God, that breastplate of righteousness and that helmet of salvation, Lord, his temptations will bounce off of us. So I just pray on this morning, Lord God, that we would all, right now, just step into the armor of God. Where you're sitting, put up the belt of truth around your waist. Put the breastplate of righteousness over your heart. Put the shoes of peace on your feet. Take up the shield of faith Put on the helmet of salvation. Take up the sword of the Spirit. Feel that armor on you. It's protective armor. And pray in the name of Jesus. Live victoriously through Jesus Christ. Amen. Folks, stand with me. The altars are open if you'd like to come forward.
Thank you, Pastor. Thank you for your word, Lord. So precious. Oh 
Lord God, clothe you, protect you, your children, your marriages, all the things that you're doing, your careers, your finances, your home. May the Lord God cover you with his armor. May he watch over you and protect you and bless you. As you bless him and you go out and you advance for him, for the kingdom of God, in Jesus' name, amen.